0: The Red-Eyed Cryptid has some very leathery wings And if you ever saw him, you would know the death he brings All of the other cryptids used to laugh at his juicy bum And if you saw his statue, you would know that he has won
1: Oh, that end note is perfect. Mariah Carey, watch out. Did you love it? I did. It was very good.
0: Yeah, I uh, put a lot of practice into that last note in particular. Yeah,
1: I can see. It's paid off.
0: Welcome to the 12 days of Christmas, day six. And happy Christmas if you celebrated. I hope that everyone who is, is having a gorgeous Christmas day. And if you're not celebrating it, I hope you're having a gorgeous day anyway. Are you ready for some spooky stories? Nope. Story number one comes from Aidan. Growing up I guessed that I had the slight ability to sense spirits. Myself and some family members are very sensitive to atmosphere, so while we can't see ghosts, we can feel them through good instinct. For example, if there's been a history of death in a building or a room, I sometimes pick up on the sadness that has happened in there. The ability to sense spirits and memories has never been strong, until a few years ago when I won a competition to go behind the scenes of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory at Theatre Royal Drury Lane and I believe that this may have been the first and only time that I've seen a spirit. The backstage tour was amazing and was laid out like a work experience as we shadowed a costume assistant. He was really nice and took us around the corridors, dressing rooms and workshops during the performance and occasionally mentioned the haunted aspect of the theatre as we went around. I found it interesting that I hadn't sensed anything yet and continued to enjoy the tour. It wasn't until we reached the oldest part of the building that anything happened. As we took the stairs down the corridor, I suddenly had this urge not to go down there. It was a horrible feeling that washed over me suddenly. I didn't want to embarrass myself, so I didn't say anything and went in anyway. I can't actually remember much of what was said by the stagehand or what I said while we were down there, but all I remember was feeling dreadful grief ten times over. But it wasn't malicious, and it formed a message. And the feeling was, if you can't help me, get out. Before the guide said anything, I asked what happened down there. In this corridor, a skeleton had been found inside the walls during a renovation, with the knife that had presumably killed the victim still inside. The theatre never buried the remains, but instead kept them on display in the same corridor along with the weapon. I remember feeling how inappropriate it was to not remove the body or the weapon from the corridor. As we left, I did mention I felt something heavy and was glad to be out of there, and our guide said someone had said hello to him outside that corridor when no one was there. The feeling eased a little after we left, but I was still shaken. The second spirit I encountered was upstairs in the wings above the theatre stage. We were up there to dress the cast who would descend from above in a scene so the old balcony was full of people singing along loudly to the show, which made the upcoming situation even stranger. In all of this bustle, I had been on set before and knew I needed to stand quietly out of the way of the cast and the crew. I was watching the guide dress a chorus member when I suddenly felt a head appear above my left shoulder, staring at me, and then it disappeared in seconds. Then what I thought was a small grey fly floated from my left ear across my eyeline to the right. But I realised it was a large speck of dust moving as a fly would. I've never seen dust move like that. I then turned to see who was there thinking it was one of the cast or crew and despite being busy no one was anywhere close enough to place their head above my shoulder at that speed without them hitting me with the rest of their body. It felt like a balloon with human eyes suddenly inflating to head size from the size of a pea having a very inquisitive stare at me and then deflating back down to a a P, and proceeding to fly in front of my face. I think it was dust, it was really fuzzy whatever it was. While I enjoyed my experience backstage, I was a little shaken afterwards. I was filmed being interviewed about my competition experience afterwards, and I felt like I looked awful on camera. They only used the audio of my interview rather than the visual footage, so I often wonder how pale I must have looked. It was one of the weirdest experiences I've ever had. And I believe the dust was a spirit for these reasons, I can confirm that the most haunted building in the u k is definitely haunted.:
1: I have heard things about that theater That would corroborate similar.: Is stories. that the
0: theater where there was the beer? Yeah, flooding
1: Yeah, I think so I think it's and like the two same little one. girls died. Yeah.
0: That was such a strange explanation of what you felt. But I can imagine it perfectly. Yeah, it's not such a weird yeah. thing. I could imagine that face like inflating and appearing, having a look of being like, who the fuck are you? And then deflating and shooting off. Yeah. So actually it wasn't really strange because it was clearly a perfect explanation because I can see it in my head. Yeah.
1: But it's a, it's a strange thing to think about it if you don't think about what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it definitely is. I don't feel that it's the right thing to display that body as they do. Not for spiritual reasons, I just think it's a bit disrespectful. It's a murder victim at the end of the day, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and they deserve some bit of dignity in their yeah. burial or however you choose to dispose of yeah. your body. Yeah, I kind of agree. I don't know, yeah. I've never not, really thought about it. I didn't know there was a body injury. I
1: didn't mean, so I meant supernatural, by the way, not spiritual. Oh, <laughs> I meant, okay. I meant supernatural, not for any supernatural reasons. I'm not necessarily...
0: As in saying, oh, it's definitely going to haunt the yeah. place because it's there. It's just, but I just, it just
1: it strikes me as being. being really disrespectful. And actually, like... I haven't got a problem with bodies being on display in general because I know that some people would like the idea of that in death. So, like, if they, like, expressed their consent, there's nothing wrong with it.
0: Yeah, fine, like, I'm going to taxidermy you and you die.
1: But that one wasn't even expecting to die.
0: Yeah, it's a bit unfair to Mm. be displaying the body.
1: Definitely haunted, 100%.
0: Story number two comes from Jennifer. It was October of 1994. I was an awkward tween who, by some miracle, had a bunch of similarly awkward friends. We were all in the advanced classes at school, and even though our weird way may have been different, we had solidarity in our collective weirdness. My parents had said yes to a Halloween party. To my surprise, seeing that my dad is a pretty conservative, straight-laced Christian. Translation, he is not a spooky boy. My mom is an epic party thrower, and this party was by far one of her best. We lived in a new housing tract on the edge of our small southern California desert town. Our neighbourhood consisted of finished homes, some half-built homes, and a bunch of open fields slated to become homes in the future. My little sister and I spent most days running wild on the dirt roads and in the fields surrounding our housing tract. That Halloween, my amazing mom turned our garage into a haunted house. In the first section, she had her boss dress up like an ugly old witch and tell us a story and had us put our hands into bowls of eyeballs, which were peeled grapes, worms, which were spaghetti, and brains. I think it was jello, but it may have actually been cow brains. The next room had my older cousins in it, one creepily rocking in a chair and another hanging from the ceiling in a noose, and I'm still not sure how they did that. The next room was the scariest. It was set up as a surgery, with a guy on the table getting his leg cut with a hacksaw. His leg was a cow femur my mom had bought from a local butcher. It was gory and so realistic. We were hopped up on fear and a buttload of sugar when my parents told us all to pile into the back of our little Toyota pickup for the final adventure. So there we were. A truck piled high with probably 12 kids rolling down a dark and bumpy dirt road. My mum was in the cab of the truck with her head out the back window telling us a scary story when my dad purposefully stalled out the truck leaving us screaming in the pitch black. We finally realised it was just a prank when my dad started the truck back up We had a good laugh about how freaked out we were and who had screamed the loudest. As my dad started driving, someone or something jumped out of the overgrown ditch on the side of the road and started chasing us. Now, remember, we're on a dirt road surrounded by fields that have been levelled for homes, so flat, cleared dirt. There was no place for someone to hide. We were at least a mile from the nearest house. So the sight of a full-grown, man-sized thing got us screaming again. Much to my dad's chagrin, he did not appreciate the falsetto of 12 pre voices screeching. So he yelled, shut it, as my mom turned around to see what was happening. That was when she saw it. Hauling ass, going unearthly fast and quickly gaining on us. All of the kids had scooted towards the cab of the truck, smooshed together in a tangle of limbs, trying to evade the grasp of whatever was chasing us. It was steps from the back of the truck when my mom started screaming at my dad to go faster. Of course my dad was like, what are you talking about? So he started to slow down. I don't know why, maybe he thought we were joking and trying to scare him. Maybe he wanted to stop and see what we were talking about. Either way, my mom started freaking out, hating him and screaming, just go, go, go! And I guess he finally realised that we weren't messing around. My dad hit the gas just as the thing was about to grab the tailgate, spraying it with dust and gravel. That only slowed it down for a while. It kept pace for what seemed like an inhumanly long time. The truck gained speed, 20, 30, 40 miles an hour, and it was still there steps behind its face hidden in the cloud of dust finally we hit pavement and as the dust cleared it wasn't there anymore the road was desolate and black no man or beast in sight we still sat huddled together smooshed against the cab in fright when we pulled into the driveway my parents got out laughing saying oh we got you kids good that was Jenna's grandpa he hid out there to scare you guys this disarmed us all and we started laughing in relief. We couldn't believe what they had pulled off. It was like a weight had lifted. My mom further distracted us more with sweets and a movie called The Prophecy. We all crashed and slept the sleep of the young and exhausted. It wasn't until the next morning after all my friends had left, when we were cleaning up the house, that I asked, ''So how long did Grandpa have to wait out there?'' ''Did you have a set time? Where did he hide?'' you know in the annoying way kids ask questions with no breaks in the middle my mom got really still turned to face me and then told me she had lied she didn't want my friends to be freaked out but she had no idea who or what that was that had chased us or where it had come from my stomach dropped when she said that and I also felt really stupid for thinking my 60 something year old granddad could run that fast to this day we don't know who or what it was that chased us my dad thinks it was someone out for a walk who heard us screaming and it being Halloween thought it would be fun to give us a fright. But he never actually saw it. His rearview mirror was blocked by a mass of frightened children. He never saw how fast it was, how long it kept pace with the truck's increasing speed. It's one of the scariest things that has ever happened to me, and still the best Halloween party I've ever attended. I don't have any guesses on what it was that chased us. It looks like a tall man. But it was so fast. Between the dark and the fear and the dust, we never saw its face. It was just a black outline. And why was it out in the boonies, in a ditch? And where did it go?
1: You know what that sounds like, don't you?
0: Sounds like a big old skinwalker to me. Oh
1: no, oh no, oh no. There's there's too many similar stories like this now, isn't it? It's getting like confirmation.
0: Um, it is. And there's so many native people on the supergroup who regularly are like, yes, they are real. You are naive if you think they are not.
1: That's giving me the hitch of you saying that.
0: Well, there you go. Yeah. Oh, They, re- it, they really do scare me. Like, they scare me. Yeah, they're me so really much. super
1: scary. Don't mess with that stuff, man. And the thing is, Oof.
0: when you're 12, whatever, and you still have that often you still have that undying belief in your parents. So your parents are like, ha ha, hilarious. I mean, good thinking on her mum. Yeah. Because imagine all those kids going home being like, we were chased by some fucking (laughs) lunatic in the middle of the desert. Like fair play to her mum for able, for having the the quick thinking to say, oh yeah, yeah. Hilarious. We got you so good. What must her mum have been thinking? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either.
1: But I would, I have to say, I, at that age, I wouldn't have questioned them saying, that it was my granddad chasing me at that speed. Even though there's no way my granddad would have been physically able to go that fast, I would have just been like, oh yeah, okay.
0: No way. And you also wouldn't have a concept of how fast you were going. No, no. So if somebody was able to keep up, you'd probably just think, wow, they can run really fast. But you wouldn't be thinking, oh, holy shit, that's unhumanly fast. Yeah. Oh, give me the heebie-jeebies, I didn't like that.
1: On a slightly more positive note, your mum sounds like she runs an amazing Halloween party. (laughs)
0: i would go to one of those halloween parties now that sounds incredible
1: it does it really does it sounds like the exist the birth of the horror maze <laughs> yeah, I'm good impressed. effort really good effort 100% cow's brains as well
0: 100 and story number three comes from ariel i moved into a one-bedroom apartment on my own in my mid to late 20s just me and my bird a spoiled cockatiel When we moved in, everything seemed fine. The vibe was great. The neighbours were nice and we always felt safe. I'd lived in places with creepy vibes before and I've also worked in places with ghosts. After moving in, I started to see movement out of the corner of my eye in the small hallway connecting the living room, bathroom and bedroom. I'd watched things fall from high shelves in the dining room as well. My bird would be on my shoulder so I knew for sure it wasn't him. One night, my friend and I both watched as a tall, adjustable lamp in the corner of the dining room slowly folded in half, as if something jumped on top of the lampshade and rolled the shade down to the floor like an elevator. This was right after I told my friend that I thought I had a ghost cat in my apartment. Needless to say, I screamed when I saw this happen. My bird saw two went flying across the room. I asked my neighbours if a cat had ever died in my apartment. They weren't sure if any died, but they did say that the lady before me had many cats, but they didn't know much else about her. My job had me travelling, so I eventually bought a second bird to keep my first one company. It was a small budgie, and it too would freak out from time to time like it saw something moving on the top shelf of the dining room. A little bit later I inherited a tortoise, so I was able to blame noises and movements on her. She's too large for a terrarium, and has always been a free-range house tortoise with a bed and food like a cat or a dog. She would sleep next to my bed at night time and snore and fart like a bulldog. Like I said, (laughs) it was nice to actually have something roaming around the apartment to blame noises and sightings on. One thing I couldn't blame on a floor-bound tortoise was the feeling of a cat jumping onto my bed. One night my boyfriend at the time slept over and said he thought the bird was in bed with us. I was used to the feeling of something jumping on the foot of my bed but it freaked him out once he realised the birds were in their cages in the living room and also not big enough to feel jumping onto the bed like that. Anyone who has a cat knows what the movement feels like when you're laying in bed and they jump up to join you. Another night when I was alone I put my bird on top of the cage in my room, turned the lights out and went to bed. I couldn't sleep. I heard my bird starting to hiss at something so I looked over towards his cage his cage was near the bedroom door. The door was open and it looked like a shadow was sitting on top of the open door. All of a sudden the shadow jumped down to the floor and my bird went flying around the dark room screaming and eventually crash-landed on the floor hissing. From that night on he slept in bed with me. He was so freaked out. I was too but felt it was okay since it was only a ghost cat. During my time in this apartment, I went on a month-long vacation to Hong Kong and mainland China. My best friend is from there, so I travelled with her, her husband and kids, and we all stayed at her mother's flat, where her mother and brother lived, so there were seven of us in this tiny flat about the size of my small apartment living room. This was my second trip to Hong Kong, so I know what I experienced this time was unusual. Our trip was during the Lunar New Year, so we went to visit my friend's dad's grave to give him offerings. Before going to the cemetery, I was warned not even to take my phone out of my pocket, because taking pictures is a huge no-no, and believed to bring ghosts. I kept my phone in my pocket the whole time. The cemetery was huge and eerie, and on the side of a mountain overlooking the city. Because of space, the bodies would be buried so many years to decompose, then dug up again and put into a smaller box, and placed into a wall alongside thousands of others in a mausoleum. This saved space, and another body would be put into the ground to start the process again. In her mother's flat, there was a shrine to her father. Because of how small the place was, I happened to sleep right next to it. Like I said, there were seven of us. I slept on the living room floor, but that really means I slept in the walk space for the kitchen and the living room combined, and in front of the doors of the two bedrooms. Between the doors was a one foot wide space where the shrine was placed. At night I could see everyone from where I was and also see every corner of the flat. The bedroom doors were left open so I literally could see everyone. You would have to step over me to move to any other room in the flat. Each night after visiting her father's grave I would hear someone walking around the flat. It sounded like they went from each bedroom to the kitchen and back over and over. This did not happen on my first trip years earlier. After about a week, I mustered the courage to tell my friend what was happening, and she shrugged it off, saying it was probably just her dad checking on everyone. It made sense, since the Lunar New Year is a time to be with family, and his daughter and grandchildren were visiting from America. We spent a week in mainland China, then came back to her mother's flat in Hong Kong, where once again I heard her father walking around me. I came back home to America and my apartment had a creepy, heavy vibe that I wasn't used to. I found my neighbours had moved out in the month that I was gone and new ones were moving in. My mother and friend who took shifts caring for my pets didn't report any activity while I was away, but I could feel that something wasn't right. After about a week of uneasiness, I decided to smudge my apartment. I wasn't sure if I brought something home with me from China or maybe something moved in or out with the changing of the neighbours, but the new vibe was so thick that I smudged the shit out of the place I took my birds to my mom's and filled the apartment with so much smoke it set the smoke detector off but it seemed to work my apartment felt like mine again and then I saw the cat one morning before work my bird was hissing again I got up to go to the bathroom when I stopped dead in my tracks the room was dark but I could see something sitting on the floor in front of my closet. I stood there staring until my eyes adjusted and I locked eyes with it. It looked like a mix between a hairless cat and a chihuahua. I was standing, bent over a little, staring right at it and it was staring right back up at me. I closed my eyes real tight and I opened them again and it was gone. When I told my friends, they said it sounded like I was haunted by a chupacabra. I never saw it again, but I'd still feel it jump onto my bed at night and see it out of the corner of my eye when I was in the living room. Now I live with my current boyfriend of two years in a 150-year-old home that surprisingly has no eerie vibe, no activity, no nothing, and I love it that way. The only creepy thing to happen was when I first moved in. I was upstairs with my bird and I heard footsteps downstairs and a dragging sound. My apartment had all carpeted floors. So I'd never heard my tortoise walk across hardwood before. She's just the right size to sound like Chucky doll walking slowly through the house dragging something. Thank God it's just her and I'm used to the sound now. I also have a real life cat too. I always recommended having a cat so you can blame weird noises and shit on it. And my birds love the new place. No more freaking out and flying around scared out of their minds of ghost cats.
1: That really, to me, seems like that's what it is. Yeah. Like, it doesn't seem to be any, ex- any other explanation for it. Messing with the birds, because they hunt birds, don't they?
0: They hunt birds, and knocking stuff from high places. Yep. That's very cat-like behaviour. Yep. They love knocking shit down. Yep. And again, I love the idea of a ghost cat. I know you do. Because it makes me feel really happy that maybe yep. when anything happens to Bimmy, that she'll come back and haunt me. And I'm yep. really happy with that. Yep of all the hauntings I would invite into my life that is one that I will invite <laughs> although she's more likely to come back and haunt you yeah true because she prefers you so well, sorry you, about that most people
1: do that's true too <laughs> I've learned to live with it which also means that you're going to get haunted by more people than me oh, yeah, you will be no. haunted
0: by a sum total of zero cats or people
1: mm, I do not thought about it like that
0: and story number four comes from Abby my father had a great aunt named Hazel All throughout my childhood, I've heard stories about her and my dad's experience with her growing up. My dad spent a lot of time at her apartment when his parents were working. He told me about all the TV shows he would have to watch with her, her not-so-good cooking, and an experience they had recently after she died. When my sister was around two years old, her and my mom were having a normal night at home. When my sister pointed to the corner of the living room and said, ''Who's that lady?'' My mom, of course, said knock it off, but my sister wouldn't let it go. Finally, my mom asked what the lady was doing. My baby sister started folding her hand together in a repetitive movement, demonstrating what this woman was doing. My mom immediately thought of Aunt Hazel, for my sister was doing the thing with her hands that Aunt Hazel used to always do. My mom still talks about that story to this day. The main thing. That is always shared about her is how much she loved my dad. I never had the chance to meet her. She died just a couple of weeks before I was born at the age of 99. In high school, I started to have some odd experiences around the house. Nothing crazy, I would just feel a presence around me. It was never scary. I always felt like it was sweet and gentle and it was a presence that was coming to say hello. Naturally, I would giggle and say hello to Aunt Hazel. One day I recalled seeing a woman with long dark hair and a navy denim dress in what I think was a dream the previous night. This felt significant, so I explained what the woman looked like to my mom. She seemed spooked as she explained how my Aunt Hazel had long dark hair and was buried in a navy blue denim dress. Around the same time these experiences were happening, my dad was getting ready to go on a work trip out of the country. When he was gone, the presence I felt in my room one night before falling asleep was very strong. I truly felt that there was someone in the room with me. I just shut my eyes tight and forced myself to sleep. In the morning, I would tell my mom how I felt, and maybe it was Aunt Hazel and that she wanted to tell me something. The next night, the same feeling occurred, but this time I decided to take a deep breath and welcome any energy that might be trying to communicate with me. I immediately fell asleep and experienced the most beautiful visitation from Aunt Hazel and I remember it so clearly. In this dream I was sitting on a couch in a living room I did not recognise. Sitting right in front of me was my dad. Everything was focused on him. The sun shone from outside right onto him. He was young, a little chubby and had hair. He's bald now. I've seen him young like this in pictures but this was different. It felt so real like I was truly sitting with this version of my dad that existed before I was born. He was smiling and laughing and looking right back at me. As I looked at him in this dream, I experienced the most overwhelming feeling of love, like this guy was my whole world. I then began to reach my hand for his face and place it on his cheek. As I did this in my dream, I quickly noticed that my hand was not my own. It was a very old hand wrinkles blue veins and red nail polish i was her i explained this to my mom the next day and couldn't help but cry when trying to explain the amount of love i felt for my dad during that dream i believed that this was a message from my aunt hazel letting me know that she is watching over my dad while he's on a trip i also believe she gifted me the experience of truly understanding the amount of love she has for my dad as well as my sister and i without ever meeting her While contemplating this phenomenon and why it would happen to me, I often think about the closeness of her death and my birth, as well as why I embodied her in my dream. Maybe I've met her in passing, or maybe I am her.
1: Ooh, good closing statement there. Yeah, that was good. That was very,
0: very profound.
1: Yeah, I I like these family members coming back to visit and the various different ways they manifest themselves. It's quite heartwarming, I think. And obviously, there was a very special relationship there between Hazel and um, the dad. Yeah. Which is good to see. I still think it freaked me out, but uh, I think I'd yeah, calmed I calmed down. Happy with it. I think I calmed down much easier than I would if I just didn't have any context and it was like a little girl goes running around or something like that.
0: And especially if she's showing you this overwhelming feeling of love. Yeah. That's quite, that is, I think that is quite a gift to experience. Yeah. yeah. And again, we're ending on a good note. Yes, yeah, a really positive It's almost story. like you planned it. Almost. <laughs> if you enjoyed today's episode, you can find everything you need to know about us on real You can send your own spooky story to real at gmail.com. You can find us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories, where for five dollars a month or two dollars a month, you can have access to heaps of extra content. And on that note, we shall see you tomorrow.
1: Bye.